Good evening. I'm uh, Dr. Hannah Kostrin, assistant professor in the Department of Dance here. And we're just going to give uh, Andre Zachary a few minutes to change, and then he will be out with us promptly. Andre is in residence in the department this semester, and it has just been such a pleasure uh, to have him in our classes and working with our students. And it's uh, a really wonderful um, compliment to his whole time here for him to be presented at the WEX. Um, so it's very exciting to, to get uh, a sense of uh, many sides of his work. Um, he and I spoke earlier today uh, about this event we're about to experience right now momentarily as he comes out. And one of the things that we were talking about um, are the kinds of symbolism that he wove into this piece. Um, there are many different signifiers that he put into the various components. Um, different kinds of cultural signifiers. And as we're um, waiting for him to come out, if you are so moved, um, I invite you to chat with the person next to you about the things that you saw, um, or jot down some notes, either if you are digital or paper. Um, and he is very excited to talk with you about this when he comes out. Everyone, Andre M. Zachary. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Hannah. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome back to the stage. <laughs> that was a quick, quick little moment you had there. Yeah, li literally. So <laughs> costume change. Last costume change. Promise. Promise. Excellent. Well, um, I, I talked a little bit about the symbolism that you and I talked about earlier, so people had some, some reflection time, so maybe that will... Uh, come back when we open it for questions at the end. Um, but when uh, you and I talked earlier about a whole bunch of stuff about this work, and um, to kick off our discussion, I'd like to um, ask you to talk a little bit about the mundane in this work. When we talked earlier, you um, talked a lot about the role of the mundane um, in the movement and in the way that you were conceiving of the work. Um, so please talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So the mundane for me is um, kind of the the real possibilities that uh, express blackness, if you will, um, uh, for me uh, in this hemisphere, and and essentially the various uh, practices, characteristics, um, ways of doing things um, that really constitute what is considered uh, black culture uh, in this hemisphere. Um, and you can look at the various instances of that, you know, um, of where we are in the South American continent, the Central American uh, uh, region, uh, the Caribbean region, and the North American continent as well. Um, and for me, um, these mundane actions um, are kind of what you saw in the work. Um, it's the call and response, it's the sense of play. It's the sense of um, jovial familiarity, um, the kind of coaxing, um, uh, making space for uh, uh, you know many uh, different iterations of of of, of existence, um, and in a way prodding it to, in a sense, nurture it. Um, uh, the everyday actions, um, you know, between. Uh, uh, between people in community that constitute, um, you know, well, why is this going to be the spiritual space? Why is this going to be the dance hall space? Why is this going to be uh, the food space? Um, those, I guess, are the mundane actions, um, 
that are, are for me very important uh, within the work to actually draw out and unpack and make an artistic statement or a dance or um, you know visual images and, and what that means for me in a sense of futuring. I'm so glad you landed on futuring. Um, because one of the things uh, that I know is a big part of your work, and particularly of the series that this work is, is part of, um, is Afrofuturism, both as a theory as an aesthetic. And um, I was thinking a lot about that as I watched it this evening, kind of with the, the combination of the projections and um, kind of the, the, the way that you orchestrated the dancers in the space and the kind of movements that, that they were doing. And um, I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, so um, when it comes to the, uh, this concept or practice or movement of Afrofuturism, um, in the opening of the work, um, we, uh, we essentially were in what um, we created called the Haiti section. Um, and, and in considering what Haiti means uh, to this hemisphere really um, is extremely important. Um, especially in this idea of what blackness is. And so as we're uh, entering the space, um, one of the movements uh, that we're referencing, not, we're not uh, directly doing it, um, is uh, the Yonvalu practice of Haiti, um, which is one of the essential movement forms and systems uh, found within Haitian Vudun. Um, and for me, that spiritual system, those movements are futuring practices and what they mean. They also were then relating to uh, the projections of what we were um, symbolizing with the, um, for me, kind of remixing uh, the Haitian veves, uh, these, um, if you will, uh, this language and uh, iconography, which is a part of Haitian voodoo as well. Then it moves into uh, the Mississippi section. Um, and so I wanted to really form this visual landscape, uh, if you will. So it kind of recreates the idea of where my other fam familiar roots are from in Mississippi and then also in the other deep south, uh, stretching into Georgia and what that looks like and how, how much land, especially in the, uh, the lineage and uh, history of um, black culture, especially African-American culture in the United States, um, has really been connected to these ideas of being within land uh, and what that means. Um, so we created this, uh, we created this um, uh, virtual landscape of a cotton field into um, a, star, um, a starlit sky. Um, I remember one of the first you know, times I went to Mississippi with my grandmother, um, who's sitting right there. We went to her mother's house. Um, and it was, uh, I'm not sure if there were, it might've been caught in the field, I believe it was, but I just remember that was the first time I remember not seeing street lights. You know, being born and raised in Chicago, you know, that's a part of, you know, the nightlife. And it was just like, oh wow, this is, it is nothing but stars, you know? And it was then very interesting looking at that contrast of like, wow, you know, just open field. And then the starlit sky is very interesting because Mississippi Delta, um, in that region of Mount Bayou, it is very, it's very flat. Um, uh, and so we, I wanted to kind of recreate that. Um, and then it moves into the Chicago section where um, it's this kind of idea of, of how uh, the migration kind of happened of moving up, uh, you know, along um, uh, the Mississippi River and into various cities, uh, you know, within the North and, and how that it was, you know, a constant sense of ascension and, and moving forward, you know, metaphorically and um, realistically. Um, 
and then it, it finally moved into this uh, black space section um, where it was essentially, well, the future essentially is really going to happen within ourselves, within our bodies, and that's how we literally have to affect you know, what is seen, what is felt, what is heard. And, and that moves into, uh, what, excuse me, that was the Adrift duet, which is also referencing a, a visual artist named Carrie James Marshall. Um, and then um, the final section, the black space section, I kind of revisited um, one of the, the circle image you saw is um, something called the Bakongo Cosmogram uh, from the, the Bantu uh, Congo uh, region in um, central uh, southern Africa. And Bantu Congo uh, hieroglyphs are also some of the source um, uh, uh, African writing systems, which got readapted into Haitian voodoo. But then if you even studied the uh, Geechee Gullah colonies, um, the uh, Carolina seacoast, you can see uh, images of Bantu Congo uh, hieroglyphic writing systems that were indeed translated uh, and, and brought from the African continent uh, to uh, the North American continent as well. So. Yeah, all of these things are kind of like going into the work, um, which for me, I have identified as as really futuring practices, really. Great, thank you. Well, I think we can uh, open it up for some broader discussion and then and then follow up on what's going on. Um, does anyone have any questions for Andre? And I think we do have a mic that will come to you. I have a question um, about how your process worked, like gathering all these informations and working with the people on your team as well as your company to create this beautiful performance. Thank you. Um, the performers are here, actually. Um, this is Kentoria Earl. This is Candace Thompson Zachary. <laughs> this is Michaela Ware. Um, here is the rehearsal director, Yuten Joseph, and then still, still backstage is our costume designer, Joy Havens. Um, I can actually start with uh, with Joy. Uh, we, one of the inspirations behind this work um, was this idea of flight, and so especially within uh, African American culture, um, flight the metaphor and uh, the analogy of it has always been a, a constant um, uh, just uh, iteration within uh, specifically African-American culture. You know, I'll fly away in the morning. I'll. And so this idea of flying has been kind of the way, not, I don't want to just say escaping. That's, it's, that's too, uh, it's, it's almost too easy, of a, but then too much fraught within the word. But flying is really a sense of like ascension. Um, and so uh, one of the inspirations um, I saw, I, there was this image I came across of um, a black woman aviator in the Second World War um, that, were also, that went through flight training. And I went, and I went through the, um, the history of it. I was like, wow, were they also you know, part of the you know, Tuskegee uh, Airmen movement? And, um, they they were indeed really? yeah um, I can try and uh, source that image and it was just amazing because you know there's four black women in front of you know this World War II um, fighter aircraft in flight suits and it was just and, and again that's the that's kind of the that's the whole point within Afrofuturism this is like oh wow we're unpacking these images which you don't see you know 
In, 19, in 1942, you have black women trained fighter pilots. There's the documentation of it. But that's not the narrative we ever hear. You know what I mean? So it's just like, well, yeah, exactly. We still flying. You know what I mean? You can then go take it to Kanye. You know what I mean? It's just like, we're, you know, and, we're, and so part of the image for the costuming was this idea of the flight suit. Um, and so we go through various iterations of it. And then we also went through a lot of images of, of the Maroons. And maroon, and maroon communities and how they wore their garb and white was a very, very important um, uh, color as well across from Suriname to, um, to Quilombos in Brazil to Haiti. Um, and so we created these various wrappings and iterations of the, of the cloth, which is again a really important a part of, um, of black uh, existence within this hemisphere. And then the final look we created was this parachute or this harness, if you will, um, so again, that's kind of one of the main um, ways in which you know explicitly every single element of the work had a very very specific meaning and like and it was anchored in something. Um, uh, so yeah, I guess I'll, I'll keep that's I'll keep it short <laughs> from there as we can move on. But that I guess that's one of the ways in, in which you know that's happened. And then beyond, of course, working with all the performers and their various uh, individual narratives and, um, and who they are and where they come from. And you can look at our website to find that out. So renegadepg.com. All right. Great. And um, should we invite the performers onto the stage? Yes. Or, okay. Do you like to come down? Or are you more comfortable over there? They want to come down? Uh, okay. All right. Well, while they're figuring that out, we'll... Um, Any we, other questions? We can, we can continue to open it up. We like questions, it's, it's good. We do. Well, maybe one, one thing that we can um, do now that everyone is on stage, um, as people are continuing to think, um, maybe your company could also talk a little bit about their experience inside the process to continue um, on this question that Jaslyn started. Uh, hi. So I've, I've probably, I, I, I've been in the process the longest, because uh, we, before the work permit in 2017, we, we did like small iterations of some of the concepts that became the larger piece. Um, yeah, and having worked with Andre in other projects, I feel like this one was really able to delve deeply into each section or like each movement concept or each uh, cultural concept that he wanted to unpack because we had so much time, like this has been going on since 2016. Um, yeah, we were able to go deeply into, you know, what these people, like what their lives were like, what they wore, the, the sound of it, the rhythm of it. Uh, what movement would fit well with the experience we were trying to create. Um, and then as, as we got closer and closer to the full work, um, I feel like it was easy for us to also get lost in the world that we created because it kept uh, building in layers. Um, so to, yeah, to get to this moment where I feel like we've been able to live so explicitly in each layer, like being at this moment feels like really gratifying because we've been able to gather all this information and process it through our bodies. So, yeah. You got one. 
<laughs> Hi, um, I'm Kentoria Earl. I joined the process second of the group um, last fall. So I joined midway through the process. Mississippi and Haiti had already been completed. And I was able to be a part of the collaboration of creating Chicago and Black Space. Um, similar to what Candace was saying, there's a lot of layers. And being able to be part of a process that dives deep into culture, into identity, um, was very important for me. It's kind of really pushed me for what I'm studying in grad school, but that's a different story. Um, so it was just great to learn about the history and the richness of culture and the lineage of Andre that can link to all of us, I think, um, because we all have roots that are like transnational and very deep and rich in blackness. Um, so being a part of the process was very influential, um, very enlightening, and it was just great to be able to move with such a great community. I joined in August, I believe. <laughs> so I'm really new, guys. Um, yeah, so this process for me became very, very, very personal. Um, I think maybe because I had to really like understand exactly like what it is that I was bringing to the piece personally to see like where not belong, but kind of like understand where I where I am in the space in relation to you, you, you. Um, because I'm taking in so much information. And, but also I'm taking in a lot of information and not really understanding like my own history. And so in the beginning that kind of became a little scary to me. I was like, what? why don't I know these things? You know, and, and me being um, 23 from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, and you know, like I have family very rooted in the South and you know, I, I go to my parents and they're like, I don't know either. You know what I'm saying? And so it's just like, uh, this process was a huge learning experience for me. Um, and then to just be able to take this information to really put it in my body, that's, that was a journey for me. And that's when things started to make sense, is when I started to like really like move, move with that information and, and, and take it as my own and interpret it as my own. But you know, also just being able to have the time to be in conversation with everyone um, was also extremely important instead of just, you know, learning the choreography. Uh, but we were able to like really get together in the space and to like go over section by section exactly what this means, uh, movement by movement. And so then pieces started to come together and make sense for me. So, yeah. Thank you, yes, up in the back, and then we'll go down. Um, wonderful piece. Um, Y'all are beautiful. Um, and it's beautiful to see sisters with different kinds of natural hair. Um, just want to shout that out. Um, di different presentations of natural hair. Um, let's see. thing. One of the things that I was curious about is the, the absence, and again, this is my stuff, but the absence of conflict. I was sort of watching y'all's faces in the various movements. And when I think of Haiti, again, I think of victory um, and triumph and, and, and that, um, and, the, and the meaning of revolution as a resolution. But I didn't, when I watched your faces, I didn't see 
any sort of contortion or y'all were either neutral or joyful, which, which if that's, if, if, if I missed it and there was, a, there was an uncertainty in the conflict and then the, that got resolved and that's the resolution, then cool. But could, could you talk about the sort of presentation or absence of conflict um, in, and because it was rooted in symmetry, affirmation, um, co co collaboration, those, e even when y'all were doing separate things, that, well, anyway, let me just shut up. So, yeah, could y'all talk about that? No, that's, that's an amazing question um, and something definitely for us to consider moving forward. Um, the conflict, um, I think when we consider conflict uh, in our own discussions, it, I think it's been more internal um, and kind of the, like what, like what is there always that psychological state of navigation um, that can never really, um, that, that can never really be planned, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's literally like you wake up, you know, you know, being black in the United States, especially you wake up and you're just like, okay, there's no sense of, uh, wow, the way I guess the best way I can explain it is like, is, um, it is a constant improvisation every day you know, because there's no, I, there's no black person in the United States that ever wakes up and it's just like, oh, this is gonna happen. I mean, every single black person wakes up in the United States is like, well, this could happen today, this could happen today, this could happen today, and we just kind of improv <laughs> through the day. Like, you know, that's, and that's a reality. Um, so yeah, I guess that was built into, I, we try our best, I guess for me specifically, I've tried my best to really relay that through the movement not necessarily so much through the facial expressions, um, because then there becomes a difference between characterization and embodiment. And embodiment is a very important part of what this experience should be, specifically for me in, in contemporary movement and contemporary performance. Um, characterization gets a little bit more into the realm of, of the theatrical, which is, is, is something but it's not something necessarily that I'm going for within this practice in itself, uh, which I do think is important, but within this idea of contemporary performance and dance, I would say it's more about how do you, how do you actually embody that state? Um, so, you know, like this, the conflict definitely is, is, is something where, yeah, I'm, I'm literally asking the audience to like, read this in this, like read it in the body language, see this tension that exists as you, and I think you actually just said it as well, you, you were witnessing that between the way we were putting ourselves in space and uh, in the negative space between us, and that's actually it. That is actually the thing. Um, going into it with, especially the face, that for me, will, it would will cross a line into something that, how do I say it? If we were really in pain, then we would have to literally be in pain on stage. So it, that's going into like the realm of performance art when you look at someone like uh, a Dred Scott, who um, Dred Scott is a performing artist uh, who named himself after the um, 1850 um, um, Supreme Court decision of Dred Scott. But he had an infamous performance under the, uh, the uh, Manhattan Bridge in New York City where he was getting sprayed with a fire hose to reference the 1963 marches in Birmingham, Alabama. And he had he would invite various student groups and, and, and people to see him literally getting hit by this fire hose, you know, 
over this 30 minute time and you have people literally just being like, stop, stop, you know, please stop. And, you know, sometimes he would stop, sometimes he wouldn't. That for me is what I'm more interested in. You know, it's just like, if you're actually getting hit by this fire hose, you know, what happens to the face? That for me is where it's like, yeah, if, you, if we're in pain, then literally I would have to ask them to be in pain on the stage and I, I, I can't do that at all. Um, I think an, a, when you said that, like it was an aha moment for me because I hadn't considered that. But I think that in terms of this idea of Afrofuturism, like this, the piece is basically offering you a different perspective on all the associations you have with these places. So it's, yes, there's conflict within Haiti, but there's also all of these mechanisms that people use to get from day to day. Um, in spite of all of that, like in the Great Migration, there were things that people did to get from point A to point B. In Chicago, in segregation, like what did they do? So it's like the conflict is all, that story is already told. So this is like an alternate view of how we arrived, we're still here, one, and how we can keep going. Thank, Thank you. you. We have time for two more, I think. Two more? Yeah, it was okay. Thank you. Thanks for such a beautiful performance. I, uh, I wanted to go back to the, the cultural signifiers of the mundane that you were talking about, about earlier, and I, I, I think we see them expressed, bought physically on stage and also digitally behind you and on the floor and on the walls. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the interface or that you understand between those two ways of expressing those signifiers. Do they, how are they connecting with each other? Are, are you, I, I think I saw some part where there was some reflection going on, some motion capture, something going on there. But I'm interested in what you see as the connection between those two mediums. Especially, um, uh, thank you for that question. Especially in the, uh, context of Afrofuturism, what we are trying to do is, in a way, not consider uh, a technological realm simply a neutral space, but really, as you just said, well, how are various cultural signifiers going to actually shape the digital space, the virtual space? Um, uh, this webbed space, if you will, um, this interweb. Um, your experience of shaping that landscape is is going to be de definitely from your your lineage, your history, your your story, and what that means. What we're saying is in Afrofuturism, especially, is okay. Well, what is the non-gender Southeast Asian experience, and how does that then shape? this digital space, because there's gonna be a completely different understanding, coding, um, algorithm of that lineage to shape the digital space. And I think that that's where um, it's not about necessarily, uh, how do I say it? It's not about saying that needs to be its own space, but saying no, that needs to actually influence how we are then in communication, in dialogue, in our own responsive systems of doing things. Um, I, I think, you know, if we can look at, yeah, I mean, we, we, we look at the, the, the banter and dialogue every day of digital landscapes. That's now a part of our everyday lexicon. But it's shaped primarily by one singular, one singular entity of how to interact. 
And that's actually pretty horrifying. And that's and it's and it's supposed to be in a sense this neutral space. And it's like, well, okay, what does another language system, another uh, existence, how does how does that even create a new system of actually? I mean, maybe it won't necessarily be a streamlined, you know, um, um, landscape of, of of twittering or of communication. I, I mean, I mentioned you know that um, that platform because it's one of the most uh, widely reported, but then from another instance, there might be a completely different platform of engaging and communicating that it, we have to make space for. And that's essentially what this is, is representing, not just within this work, but I'm trying to do within all of the works I'm creating. Um, because, it, I mean, that's, for me, again, it's a futuring mechanism. And our last question. There was someone up in the back. Thank you so much, Andre, for sharing that beautiful piece. And your dancers look wonderful. I have two questions. Hopefully I don't sound too off. I totally understood the movement, and I could see the conflict and the joy and the happiness. But I was puzzled how you came up with the choreography for the part where they're moving and you're not able to touch them, that area, and then the one where they are shaking, and then they pass it on, and the next person, like, how did you come up with that? That's that's a great question. That's called we call that the haint section, um, the haint. And I remember it was, I was uh, in the kitchen of my aunt, um, my my, grand, my grandmother's sister, uh, my aunt Burnett, and she's a champion scrabbler. She can play scrabble and just yeah. And so she was and she loves to brag about it. Um, and she was just like, oh yeah, I was out in Naperville playing scrabble and I got somebody with the word. I I got him with haint. And I was just like, haint? Like, what is haint? She was like, uh-huh, you don't know that word, do you? And I was just like, no, tell me, like, what is a haint? Like, haint? Like, what? I'm like, what is haint? She's like, haint is a ghost or a spirit or an ancestor. That's what we used to call it back in Mississippi. And I was just like, wow. So, you know, I went, you know, Googled it that, and I was like, man, this is amazing. And so haints were, uh, well, haint, a haint essentially is, is not just a ghost, but it's, it's, it, it, it really was something that symbolized this, uh, this presence that was once alive that can either come back to haunt you, to help you, to be with you. Um, and I was just like, wow. This, and for me, in building this Afrofuturism work, I kept considering, like, what are these elements of cultural residue? And even in language, I'm like, well, that's a word that definitely didn't get brought from Mississippi to Chicago. You know what I mean? Because it's like, you know, no, I don't hear anyone talking about haints. But we do talk about ancestors and what that is. So, or in the same sense of, you know, catching power um, or in, in relationship to Hayden, you know, embodiment being possessed by the loa, you know, by the different, which are symbolized through the veve. Um, you know, at who you call upon at certain points in your life. You know, do you need to call on Dambala, you know, uh, Ezuli, uh, you know, uh, or, you know, one of the Orisha, you know, who do you call on? Like, you know, I need to call on mother so-and-so, you know. It, it's a reason why we have candles, you know, and in front of visuals, you know, of, of people who have passed on, why altars are created, what that looks like, foods. I mean, that goes all the way back to, you know, the, to the continent, to Yoruba land. And so in that sense of the haint section, it represents, you know, in our spiritual spaces, when someone is in possession, 
you, you're never ever trying to stop them. You know, you don't ever stop. You let the spirit ride them until it's, it's done. And so literally that's just what we were doing and how it gets passed on and passed on through each person. So that, literally that's what that uh, moment kind of symbolized. Was there a part two to your question or did you get both parts in? Was there a part two to your question? You said you had two questions. And how they passed it on. And how they passed it on. Great, yeah. It was a really, really good, really good sense of transmission and how things are passed through. Well, thank you so much, Andre and Renegade Performance Group, for this performance and your conversation. Thank you, everyone, for your conversation and for sticking around for this part. It's always so valuable to hear from the artists what's going on. Have a wonderful rest of your evening. And Andre is here tomorrow night and Sunday if you would like to see it again.